Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right. Hey, take your Bibles this morning. Um, In a moment, I'm going to be at Mark chapter 6, starting a new series today called Are You Living Life or Is Life Living You? Are you living life or is life living you? So we all start with a life plan. This is how I want my life to go. This is the milestones. This is when I want this to happen. And sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, but... You know, as you get involved in life, get further in life, have you realized there are times in your life that it just kind of spins out of control? You find yourself, you are the um, puppet, not the, not the puppet master. So you find yourself out of control, overextended, overcommitted, emotionally depleted. You just kind of walk through that season where you just feel like, man, what is going on in my world? Jesus has a word for us in this moment, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Okay? He's going to give us rest. So I'm going to talk about that passage a little more at the end. So just we're, we're not machines that just function irregardless of whatever we are going through. We are frail humanity that, that God has uh, created us, that, that, that we need to, you know, kind of operate in spite of hurts and fatigue and stress. We've just got to keep, you know, we just got to keep, got to keep going. So with the series, there's not going to be, you know, like uh, a lot of pop psychology or Dr. Phil moments. We're not just all going to get around and have a good cry, even though that, that can help. But we're going to look at what the Bible says about living life in balance and with joy. Life does not have to be a grind. You don't have to get tense every day when the, when the alarm goes off. There's balance and joy that can happen. So through the series, we're going to look at stress Fatigue, rest, soul care, burnout, self-discipline. We're going to look at the pace of life. We're going to look at life values. We're going to look at our daily decisions. So we just want, we want to live life with joy and we want to live life with balance. So that's just kind of, you know, the entire series over the next several weeks. That's what we're, that's what we're looking at. I want to start the, uh, the series And if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 6. Mark, chapter 6. I want to look at a crazy day in the life of Jesus. A crazy day in the life of Jesus. So it was a day that started well and started with him in control and slowly began to spiral out of control. You ever had one of those days, one of those seasons Everything's well planned, and then all of a sudden, before long, it begins to unravel. Becky was out of town. She was on a business trip. She works for Verizon Business. She was 
in Ashburn, Virginia. My kids were much smaller. Kayla was probably 10 or 11, Kelsey 6, 7, Kendra 4, 5. I had three-day single dad duty, okay? Very capable of doing it, but I can't, I can't raise my kids and work at the same time, you know? So I took the day off. I took a couple of days off just so I can focus, all right? I've got my plan. I am, I am ready for this moment. I've got my dinners. I've got my breakfast, you know, hamburger helper. Thank God it got us through a meal. There was more helper than hamburger, but everybody learns. We're all good. They go to bed. Get up. I get up early the next morning because as a parent, you got to have your plan in place before the kids' feet hit the floor, right? You got to think through what's about to happen, so I've got everything planned. I said the Lord's Prayer. I added the Levitical Hebrew blessing and the 23rd Psalm, you know, just in case that I needed that. So I start, you know, because I got to get them ready, but not only do I have to get them ready and on school on time, I have to do their hair as well, okay? Now, I do have a gift. I have a gift. It's the ponytail. Thank God. Thank God. So I start getting the older two up because they're, you know, kind of, they can kind of take care of themselves. But Kendra, she was younger, so I just let her sleep a little bit later. And then, you know, like when I was taking care of them, I just brought Kendra breakfast in bed, turned her TV on. I needed to keep her immobile, having breakfast so I could focus on the other two. Plans working great. The other two were getting, getting ready. Kendra, you know, uh, that morning we had homemade Pop-Tarts. It was wonderful. You know, she's eating her Pop-Tart there. And I said, okay, Kendra, you know, it's time to, it's time to get ready. And she said, I don't want to wear those clothes. I want to wear beautiful clothes. I said, what? I don't want to wear those clothes. I want to wear beautiful clothes. I said, babe, they're, they're beautiful. They're, they are beautiful. And then she started to cry. She, start, she lost it, lost it, breathing heavy, deep, losing her breath. I don't want to wear that shirt. I want to wear a beautiful shirt. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. I'm like, Kendra, I promise you, this is the most beautiful shirt I've ever seen in my life. And, and, I mean, she's just losing it, you know, so I called Becky in Virginia. I'm like, hey, why are you holding out on me? You kept all the beautiful shirts for you, and you just laid out trash for me? You know, she's on the phone. Kendra, no, it is beautiful. No, it's not beautiful. I want a beautiful shirt. <sighs> I, I mean, we're getting close to the threshold where we need to, to go. I uh, Finally, we hang up the phone. And sometimes as a parent, you don't win on principle. You just live to fight another day, right? I just took her to the closet and said, you pick out whatever you want to wear, whatever you think's beautiful. She had printed pants and, you know, lines. She picked out a shirt, pants. She wore, she picked out a rain boots that day. I didn't care. I didn't care. I quickly do my magic on her hair. It was amazing, I just want to tell you. You know, we get, 
We're late for work. I mean, late for school. You know, my hands are like this. I'm, I'm breathing, breathing deep. Drop the kids off, take Kendra to her school. She walked in. <laughs> she looked like the homeliest person you've ever seen. I mean, but I was good because it was the day in the days before social media, so she would have no idea what she wore. But as Kendra walked to the school, I noticed that her ponytail was two inches off to the side. Did, didn't match, you know, what, it was, it was uh, all crooked, hey, but I, I didn't care. You know, just, you just got to survive. You just got to survive those times. Sometimes things are well planned and they just kind of go chaotic. And this is kind of what happened in, in Jesus' life. So we're going to look at Mark 6. We're going to look at what happened to Jesus on this particular day. Now, you may see some stories that are familiar to you, but I want to remind you, these are all stories that happen in one day in the life uh, in the life of Jesus. So as we go through parts of Mark 6, we're not going to look at the content of his teachings per se or the results of his interactions. We are going to look at his day through his Google Calendar, okay? We're going to look at, you know, through the lens of his time, location, What's, what's he doing? There are four parts to his day, four kind of movements in his day. So we're going to look at where is he, who is he with, what is he doing, what time is it, how long was he there, and what can we learn? We're going to look just kind of the logistics of his day because I think there's some things we can learn out of this. So Mark 6 and verse 1, Jesus left there. He left Capernaum. That's where he left. And he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Others said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and, uh, and, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So, through, through the lens of his Google calendar, where is he? He's in Nazareth. What's he doing, or who's he with? He's with his with his disciples. What's he doing? He's preaching at the local church on Sunday. What time is it? They, they probably started church earlier than we would start, so let's just say 8 o'clock, 9, something like that, maybe a little, little earlier. How long is, it, is he there? Let's just say a couple, of, a couple of hours, okay? So it's Sunday. It's the Sabbath, you know. It's Jesus is preaching, so I am sure that the days leading up, I'm sure he got up, I'm sure he got up early that morning so that he could be, you know, he could be prepared to, uh, uh, to preach. Uh, of course, I have no idea what Jesus' schedule was. I just know, like, mine on Saturday, you know, I have this crazy routine that I don't, I don't, just to get me ready for Sunday. So sometime on Saturday, I pray and I study for an hour just to, get myself ready, and that's kind of flexible throughout the day, you know, I don't, I don't go out on Saturday night, I don't, I never have, I go to bed at 9.30, 9.30, I am in bed, ready to go to sleep, sometimes Alabama's playing, and I've got one eye open and trying to close one eye, 
you know, but I'm in bed. I'm in bed at 9.30. <clears throat> I get up early. I get to the church two hours before, you know, our, our service. I, the first hour, I go back over my notes. I study. I'm trying to memorize as much of that in my heart for an hour. The next little few minutes, 15 minutes, we have all kinds of different teams and communication. I just make sure we're all on the same page announcements and you know, all of our you know, children, all of our different teams, make sure everybody's on the same page. And then when I'm through with that, I turn my light off in my office. I have a little lamp. It's kind of a prayer lamp. <clears throat> you know, everybody's got their own way that they pray. I put on worship music, and I just pray. I pray, and I worship, just trying to get my mind focused, get my mind ready, you know, for the service. I leave my office at, you know, um, you know about uh, 9.54, and I, it takes me a couple minutes to walk over here. I, all, I, get, I get here at four minutes till. I go check, make sure the, everything in the back is ready. And then I come and sit. And, and I've just done that for years. That's just my weird way, okay? But I'm just letting you know that for the, for the preacher, Sunday is just a little bit different because, man, you, you feel this burden. You are preparing God is speaking, you know, God is speaking to you. You have this emotional investment in the service, okay? Man, you are trying to find God's heart, God's will. You want to communicate, you know, as well. And, and I'm sure Jesus was in a much greater, you know, uh, uh, what Jesus went through is much greater, more passionate than mine. I'm sure he kind of had his own, his own kind of schedule, his own kind of emotional investment. But he gets through the service that morning, and, you know, some are going, wow, that's, that's amazing. Others are going, what is going on here? You know, some were amazed. Others were critical, you know, and, um, you know, like, it, 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 it kind of ended bad for him. So what, what can we learn? Planning, preparation, and emotional investment sometimes end in disappointment. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if I can just get it, get it planned, if I can just get it organized, if I can get all the details out there, and then, and then sometimes it just ends in disappointment. The last verse of that passage said, he is amazed, sometimes he's amazed at their great faith, here he is amazed at their lack of faith, so, which is kind of a rebuke to the preacher, you know, sometimes I go home, man, I'm so happy, sometimes I'm just dragging out of here, so I'm just, just saying, you know, he... He kind of ended the day on a, on a down note. He was excited about the, the possibility of the service, but it simply did not end, you know, in the way that he wanted to. And if you're a planner, that's kind of tough to realize. Sometimes we think success always comes with well-planned things, not, not necessarily, you know, disappointment, uh, uh, planning, preparation, and emotional investment sometimes end in disappointment. Disappointment usually lasts longer than success. You ever notice that? You know, you do something well, man, in a couple days it's gone. You got a little disappointment. It sticks there forever, right? So that's kind of the first, that's the opening service, the opening couple of hours, you know, just didn't end like he, like he wanted to. So let's, let's look at the next part of his day, okay? Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him, and he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits, verse 12. They went out and preached that the people should repent. They drove out 
many demons, anointed many sick with oil and healed them. Verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that had been taught or done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Okay, so where is he? He's somewhere between Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee. Who is he with? He's with his disciples and he's, you know, uh, hanging out with them. What time is it? Let's just say it's 11 a.m. Okay, just, just giving us an idea of the progression to the day. What's he doing? He's preaching in different towns. Okay, how long is he there? Four to five hours, roughly. And I'll, and I'll tell you why I make that calculation. I don't know if you watch The Chosen um, Season one or season two, if The Chosen has done anything for me, helped me in any way, it helped me to understand and see better Jesus off hours. We see, we see the miracle stories, we see when he's on, but there are days and hours sometimes that are unaccounted for, you know, like when they're walking from town to town, they're just hanging around by the campfire, and The Chosen has kind of helped me, maybe helped me to understand what those off hours were like. So at the end of the service at Nazareth, Jesus says, let's go, let's go to different villages. He divides them up and they start going to different villages. Now just think through, he's in Nazareth, they're going to villages around Nazareth. So man, there's walking that's involved. And let's just say these little villages are two or three miles where he's at. So He's walking his group. They are walking. If you've ever been to Israel, it is not flat. It's uh, lots of hills. He doesn't strap on his Nikes. They've got those horrible leather, you know, leather sandals. You know, there's no sidewalks. So the, he's walking this ter terrain. It's warm. He's probably got a walking stick. He's probably got some water. So if it was 45 minutes to an hour in between each town, and then you do the service, and these weren't dead services. Man, people were repenting. The demons were being cast out. The sick, you know, were being healed. So, man, th this is, you know, uh, an, an exciting time. And so they're spending time in each place. They're walking so... There, you know, there was this physical investment. There was this emotional investment. Then when they get through, they gather around and start telling the stories of what happened. Man, you should have been with us. We saw this. You should have been with us. You, you ever remember old testimony service in the church? We just opened the mic. You, anybody just talked? Remember those days? There's a reason why we don't do that anymore. Some of those services were good. So they're just having testimony service. They're just telling, you know, they're just telling, you know, all that God has done. And Jesus notices something, that there's so much coming and going, he realizes they haven't eaten. Okay? So what can we learn? Be focused on your physical needs. Jesus says, stop. Whoa, 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 stop. It's all good, good. We're thankful for what is happened but nobody's nobody's eaten and it's you know it's it's in the afternoon it may be three or four o'clock now listen to me we are physical beings and if we wear down and wear out 
We are no good to our, our family and our employer, the church, if we are constantly wore down. And Jesus noticed they haven't eaten, and he says, come eat, be quiet, and rest. In the midst of all that's going on, he stops them, and he realizes there's a little balance issue going on. They're all excited about what was happening. They should have been. But he's the one that discerns that they have not eaten and they need to rest. You cannot sustain your pace of life if you don't stop at some point, eat regularly, have quiet moments, and sleep and rest. You can't sustain your pace of life. You can't do it. They're extremely tired. And he realizes that they need solitude. We're going to talk about quiet times in a few weeks. Just being quiet, the, 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 the restorative value of, of quiet moments and, and rest. And I want to tell you, sleep is important because it, it rests the physical body, but also it rests the mind as well, okay? Have you ever laid down sometimes and, look, uh, your mind is racing and you can't sleep, you're worn out when you get up in the morning because you're, the, the gears of your mind have not, have not stopped. So he realized on the back of a great afternoon, they haven't eaten, they need to rest, they need to sleep because this is important for them going forward. So I think those are, it's something good to learn. Now, I saw an image the other day that I like. They're going to put it up on the, put it up on the screen here. Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. All right. Amen to that. Amen. In about three hours, I'm going to be in God's will, so don't even try to call me, okay? All right. He slows everything down to rest and to eat and to be quiet. Let's keep going. Verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So he makes the choice. We're going to leave here. We're going to get in the boat, been to the Sea of Galilee, send the maps, or send on a map. Let's, let's go. So he, he gets them in the boat. But look at this. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, same day. Okay, It's later in the afternoon. So his disciples came to him. Uh, this is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said it would take more than a half year's wages. Are we going to go spend that much? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, five loaves, two fish. Jesus directed them to sit all the people down in groups on green grass. They sat the groups down in hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke bread. And then he said to them, the disciples distribute to all the people. He divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up the twelve basketfuls of broken uh, uh, pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men that had eaten was 5,000. The number of men was 5,000. All right, so where is he? 
He's somewhere around the Sea of Galilee. Who's he with? He's with his disciples. What's he doing? He's attempting to rest. Get in a boat. Let's go over here and rest. What time is it? Three, four, you know, five o'clock, just depending on how long is the village to village took. How long is he there? Four to five hours. Now, we've all read the famous story of the feeding of the 5,000, okay? But now we're going to connect it with what's going on on this particular day, okay? So it's the end of the day. They're going to just rest. They've, he's preached at Nazareth. They've done city, to, you know, town to town, village to village. Now they're going to get in a boat. They're going to eat a good meal. They're going to rest and sleep and get ready for another day. But you saw, the people saw where he was going. So when they arrive, there's this huge crowd that's already there. Unexpected, no preparation. You know, it's like, you know, all these people showing up at your house for dinner. You know, if you're a planner, man, what, what, would, what would you be going through? And the challenge, I mean, there's only 12 people to host all these. There's only 12 people. Wow. So here they go when they're supposed to be resting. Watch, watch. When they're supposed to be resting, they've, they've got this sudden crowd, and Jesus says, okay, come here, come here. I, I want you to divide everybody up, okay? Divide everybody up. So if you've got thousands of people and you've only got 12 on your team, it just takes a while. You don't have a PA, man, you, don't, you know, you, you have no, you had no advance notice this was going to happen, so... Now the disciples are trying to figure out 50s and 100s, trying to divide, divide these up. Takes a little while if you're a disciple. Hey, get over here, get over here, you know. Then they come back. All right, they're already divided. What, what do we have to feed them with? Five loaves, two fish. That's all we got. Jesus takes it. Boom. A miracle happens. Okay, man, if you're one of the disciples, you are blown away with what's going on. I mean... You've never seen anything like that. And to be, to be one of the disciples when you're delivering the miracle bread and fish, man, you got your basket. Look, come eat, come eat. Where did you get that? Well, me and Jesus, we had a little prayer meeting, and look what we got. And, man, you're distributing this. And, and I'm sure just the emotional and physical toll, it just took a long time, even though in the midst of a miracle, they're feeding these folks. And what a miracle. Everybody's fed, the 5,000 men, and who knows who else is there. And then they come back to Jesus and said, this was unbelievable. And he said, if you think that's great, Look what's next. I need you to go clean all this up. All right? What? What? Let that be on the other crew. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're on the A team here. And they start going back all over all this property, picking up half-eaten fish, the bones. You know, these aren't like high-priced fillets from Captain D's. These are just, you know, just fish bones half-eaten bread, they're putting in the basket. Please remember in that time they brought their animals. There's only, who knows what else is out there. There's no bathrooms for this huge crowd that's been there. I mean, I'm sure that it, this just took hours. This whole thing just, this miracle, the logistics of serving and cleaning up took hours. So what can we learn from this moment? Sometimes the needs of others do not respect our personal needs. 
Sometimes the needs of others do not respect our personal needs. He said, let's rest. And before long, a hungry crowd shows up. So sometimes you find yourself already tired, already worn out, but you see something that you've got to do. You've got a a need that you need to meet. So you learn to just push through. You learn to just to just get going and make, and make it happen. So he changes. The day was supposed to end with an evening boat ride, a meal, and some rest. Now you've got this huge, you know, this huge event, this huge unexpected event, and, and they didn't even get a moment to rest because in the moment the Lord was sensitive to the needs of others. Remember, they were hungry. He said they're like sheep that didn't have a, have a shepherd. So here is Jesus loving, you know, loving these people. And he's compassionate and he's sensitive to their spiritual needs, but, but also their physical needs. So one thing we can learn, sometimes the needs of others don't respect our personal needs. Something else, exhaustion can make you irritable and not perceptive to the God opportunities in front of you. All right, so... What was the disciples' response when they saw all these people? Hey, send them away. Send them away right now so that they can go, so that they can go get food themselves. All right, go. Now, look, I mean, they, they're tired. They've been doing ministry all morning, all right? Now they're like, hey, we're done. You know, we're, we're done. We are spent. Now, now, listen, was that their normal kind of the way that they viewed people? No. They had spent the whole day, you know, uh, ministering to people. But now their, their tone has changed. Why? Because they were tired. You know, exhaustion. You know, just sometimes you got a little edge to you. Sometimes you're, you're a little snippy at, at people because, because you're tired. And not only is it your physical activity, sometimes it makes us tired. Sometimes responsibility and the weight of things that are on our shoulders can wear us out as well. So it makes them a little irritable. But also, with exhaustion, you don't always make the right decision. Sometimes you make the quickest decision. Got it? Got it? That's why it's important to rest, to have a, have a fresh mind. God had orchestrated this moment to meet the needs of the thousands, and they almost missed it, because of fatigue, because they were tired, okay? Go, go send, them, send, them else, send them somewhere else to find food, and they almost missed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. How many times have we missed what God may want to do in our life because we're tired and we made a short-term decision because we didn't have the strength or the emotional, you know, the emotional reserves to do it and we, we passed on something that God was trying to orchestrate in our life. What else can we learn? They were surely tired. It's been a long day. But passion for the cause and adrenaline you know, propelled them to help. So it's a huge event. There's only 12 people They're in nap mode. They are already winding down, and now they've got to get going again. And they didn't have coffee at that particular time either. You know, 
You go to Starbucks, I want my triple shot, vanilla latte, soy, almond, everything. They didn't have that option. So what kind of brought them to life, again, was passion for the cause and something we'll talk about. It's adrenaline. Adrenaline. It's a, it's a hormone that's injected into our bloodstream when there's, you know, like a, a crisis there where we can perform short-term in a way that we had not planned on just because of the, the crisis, the surprise. So it was passion for the cause and also a shot of adrenaline that got them going and took them through the feeding of the 5,000, okay? Now, let's keep going in Jesus' crazy day, all right? So the feeding of the 5,000 is completed. Um, let me see. I have, I need to look this up. <laughs> Just a second. I deleted something that shouldn't have been deleted. Yeah. I had an impressive start the other week, too, so uh, you'll remember that. Verse 45. Yeah, I deleted a couple verses there. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethesda, Bethesda. He dismissed the crowd, and after leaving them alone, he went to pray. Okay? All right? So, um, where's he at? The Sea of Galilee. Who's he with? The disciples. What's he doing? They're attempting to rest again. What time is it? Eight, nine o'clock, something like that. How long is he here in this particular scene, uh, you know, for four, five, six, seven hours okay so he dismisses the crowd okay and he tells them to get in the boat it said he made them he made them get in the boat and go to the other side they're tired they don't want to get in the boat what happened last time we got in the boat he makes them get in the boat you know you know sometimes when people get a little obstinate Get in the boat. Don't make me come over there. You remember those plagues? There's plenty more where that came from. Get in the boat. They get in the boat, okay? They get in the boat, and they take off, and he dismisses the crowd, okay? He dismisses the crowd. Wow. What can we learn? There will always be needs in the world, but you have to take care of yourself, okay? There'll always be needs in the world, but you have to take care of yourself. So here's Jesus, loving, compassionate Jesus, going, guys, I love you, but it is time to go home, okay? Shutting out the light, I'm done. Sometimes people don't understand that. They perceive it as insens insensitivity. You don't care. You know, you don't care about me, but let me just say, if you burn out now, you're no good to people later. So, look at this. There was a time earlier that Jesus pushed through. He was tired. There was a time that he pushed through. He fed the 5,000. Now, here's a time that there are people with needs that he says, No, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm, I, 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 can't, I can't go any longer. The disciples are going 
And Jesus says, no. You see, adrenaline can only take you so far, okay? Eventually, adrenaline has, you know, we'll talk about it a little more. Man, adrenaline will help you get through short term. But it is, a not, it is not a long-term success plan from God. Adrenaline, it's a short-term boost. And Jesus is the one that just says, you know, that just says, no, there's no more. So there was a time that he pushed through. Then there was a time that he said, I, I can't, the disciples, they're done. I'm done as well, okay? And, you know, and then he goes to pray. What can we learn? At the end of the long day, Jesus went to pray. He said no. Then at the end of the long day, he goes to pray. Can I just tell you something? Look, sometimes that's at the end of our day. It's at the end of our plan. We don't feel like we have the energy sometimes. We don't, you know, we're, we're so tired. But in the midst of Jesus' physical exhaustion, he found, he's just like, man, I, I've got, I have got to meet with God. Have you ever been that way before? Just so like, look, I, I got to get with the Lord. Because I, I want to remind you something. Sometimes when we're having these value judgments between uh, prayer and sleep and rest, and we're going back and forth. I, I just, I just want to remind you that prayer can replenish the soul. Sometimes when we're kind of weak and we're, and we're run down, prayer restores the soul. When I'm weak, when I'm worn out, sometimes just being in, in God's presence can help me take the next step when I don't feel like I can do that anymore. Prayer can relieve my stress when I am, you know, so stressed. I'm not sure what to do. Just being in God's presence, just being reminded that he is in control of my life. He is the creator of this world can just bring a calmness and restore a perspective to me that God's in control. I may not have every answer, but God's in control. So Jesus sent them away shut down the crowd, sent them home, and then he went to pray. He just went and sat in God's presence. He just sat in the presence of God. You know, sometimes you don't have to have a huge agenda when you pray. Sometimes you can just sit there. You can just weep. You can just be quiet. You can just sing to yourself. You don't even have to do anything because he'll restore our soul in those, in those particular moments. So Jesus goes to pray. He goes to pray, and he's up on a high mountain, and he looks, and he sees the disciples have been gone for several hours, and they're in the midst of the lake because of the wind. The story of him walking on the water is not, you know, not uh, disconnected from other, you know, uh, on its own. It's part of this day. He looks down, I'm sure he went, what are those boys doing? Good night. Can I not even pray for a moment? He gets out of the boat, walks on the water to them, brings them to safety on the other side. It says when he saw them, they were straining at the oars. These guys were already tired. And it says it was almost dawn, okay? We're, we're coming up on 24 hours in, in Jesus' life. He gets, them, he gets them to the side, okay? Worship team, you can come. And, and the end of this verse, or the end of this chapter says, as soon as they got out of the boat, 
you know, the disciples after Jesus rescued them, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region, carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed the sick in marketplaces. They begged him uh, to touch even the edge of their cloak, and to all who touched, they were healed. Now, when I read that, I wanted to go, leave him alone. Can you just give him a few minutes? But this passage just speaks in perpetuity that this was his life. The last thing that we can learn, Jesus lived the rest of his life balancing the needs of others against his own self-care. Okay? Because this was going to be a continual thing in his life. Jesus spent the rest of his ministry here making value judgments between when it is healthy and good for me to be in ministry and when I need to pull back. Do you know, remember remember the times where it says, excuse me, that Jesus got up a great while before day? Do you see why he had to? It was the only time he could find, okay? So the rest of his life, because the needs of people were coming all the time, but Jesus had to find time to rest, take a Sabbath, eat, have some quiet moments with God, pray, enjoy life with the disciples, okay? So he had to make value judgments on man, when I can minister, when I'm giving to others, and when I got I to gotta pull back and just make sure my batteries are charged. Can I remind you, if you're worn out, burned out, stressed all the time, man, and depleted in your heart, you, you don't have anything to give, okay? And there's a time in this crazy world that will just take, 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 that we got to restore balance to our, to our lives, and we got to be concerned about our own hearts. So you see, there were times that Jesus went away to pray. There were times that he stayed up late. There were times that he got up early, because, man, he knew, he knew what was waiting, what is waiting on him. So, he gives us this invitation, and I mentioned it at the very beginning. It's going to be our theme through this, through this series. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. Second time he's mentioned that. For your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When he makes reference of yoke, it's not the farmer's reference, you know, like with horses and like like is used in some other passages. Okay. When he talks about a yoke, he was a rabbi. He was a teacher. The yoke refers to the, the teachings of the particular rabbi, the beliefs, the certain beliefs on God and those kind of things. So he says, take my yoke, take my teachings, take, take what I'm saying and learn 
from me, okay? For I'm gentle and humble of heart. My yoke, my teachings, they won't bring stress. They won't bring pressure. It's not a performance-based, you know, religious thing. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, okay? I want to put this passage up from the message. I love this. Same verse. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live life freely and lightly. Okay? All right? Can I just say this about the Lord? He's not trying to grind us down until we're no good and then he moves on to someone else. He cares about you. He cares about your mental health. He cares about your physical health. He cares about your body. He cares about your family. Yeah, he cares about, he cares about kingdom things. But if everybody in the church is all stressed out and worn out and, and out of balance, then, then we can't possess the land. There's got to be a, a sense of balance in our, in our life and enjoy. And there's got to be, listen, there's got to be some emotional reserves, all right? For always on empty all the time, we're really no good. We're showing up in body, but we're not, not there. We don't have any spirit or presence of God there. And he's just saying, hey, hey, come to me. This is his... This is his word to us. Come to me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, stop what you're doing. Stop. Stop it. Stop. Leave where you're at and come to me. Stop what you're doing. Acknowledge that you're overextended, overcommitted, and come to me. Just come to me. I don't want you to live your life that way. I want you to have rest. I want you to know peace. I want you to know joy. Some of you haven't had joy in such a long time. You got such heavy responsibilities. You got such heavy burdens. You haven't smiled. You haven't laughed. You haven't felt joy in your heart in a long time. He said, stop. Stop what you're doing. Come to me. Come to me. I don't want you to live life. That's not the way I designed it. It's not the way I created it. When you get up in the morning, there's a knot in your stomach with everything that goes on in your life. He said, I didn't create you that way. I didn't create you that way. Would you stand? You feel like you're overwhelmed, facing challenges on every turn. You feel like you're tired, you're worn out fatigued, overwhelmed, overcommitted, out of control, life's out of control, emotionally depleted. He says, come. Come take a rest. Come take a rest. He wants to speak to us. He wants to revive us. He wants us to, to be in his presence, okay? My body's giving out. My mind's confused. I don't know what to do. Jesus says, come, come, 
I don't want you to live with that kind of burden on your life. Stressed out, worn out. There's an invitation to stop living that way and enter the rest of the Lord, okay? All right? We can live our life in balance and with joy. And I want to say it again. I just feel it in my heart. There's some of you living life with no joy. It's all duty and obligation to you. You haven't, haven't had joy in a long time. Okay? Our worship team is going to sing. And if that's you, this morning, God's speaking to you, worn out, frazzled, stressed out, can't sleep at night. All your mind is concerned with the burdens of this world. I want to tell you, there's rest for you. There's something that the Lord can do in your heart. So all across this place this morning, Lord, I pray for those that are weary. I pray for those that are tired, Lord. They're just exhausted. They're dry in their heart, Lord. They're, there's no joy in their life. Lord, I pray over them today. I pray over them today, Lord. I pray that they will find a rest in you. I pray that they will come, acknowledge kind of what's going on in their life, Lord, and there'll be this fullness and this freshness, Lord, that you're going to lead them to. Lord, you said you would give us rest for our weary souls. Lord, I pray for those today. I pray for those today, God, who are worn out. Lord, they're discouraged. They're down can't seem to find the right boundaries in their life. God, I pray, I pray, I pray over them today. Pray over them today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.